Hi everyone, I'm Ahana. And I'm Celine. And welcome back to another episode at the We Are, we Are Podcast. Podcast. Um, we're filming online this week because I'm moving, so mm-hmm. it's just a lot of stuff needs to be done in my room is uh, disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, this was just a busy weekend for her, so we're filming online and we're doing news updates because um, I think we missed last week. Or it was the week before. I don't remember. because we Yeah, it's been like two weeks, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um. All right. So would you like to start us off? Sure. I'll start off with like my biggest update, which is about Trump's indictment, arrest, mm. and pleading not guilty. Yes. So this is a big thing. I think Celine's talked about it before, like my yeah. background. Mm-hmm. But um, recently... <clears throat> President Donald Trump was actually charged in his indictment case. And basically an indictment is like um a basically it's like a official federal charge against someone. Mm-hmm. And he was charged with 34 felony counts of falsification of business records in the first degree. Uh basically meaning that he was like lying about his business and doing a lot of things that are illegal in the state of New York. Yeah. Um, right. regarding that. Um, he pled guilty or not guilty to all the charges and the criminal charges, which this is important. It's the first criminal charge against a sitting or former president. Mm. And it's it's basically like if you're wondering what exactly it is, it's a culmination of like an investigation into hush money payments that Trump paid mm-hmm. prior to the time when he was elected in 2016. Um Hush money payments are essentially like paying people not to tell about certain instances that happened. And in this case, Trump paid an adult film actress, Stormy Daniels, to cover up an affair he had with her because he thought that like if he if their affair got out, then you know, people would be very like not inclined to vote for him because a mm-hmm. lot of his base was like evangelical christians and they were very against like cheating or having extramarital affairs so it was very like you know important to the election i'd say yeah Mm -hmm. and um he called this charge like the charges he faced politically motivated and he thinks it's like not that like it's not legitimate it's just like people essentially just doing it to get back at him politically and like make him weaker for the 2024 election Mm-hmm. But actually, under New York state law, it is a felony to falsify business records with an intent to defraud or an intent to conceal another crime. So, I mean, he made around 34 false statements to cover up other crimes, and those were all the charges he was faced with. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was indicted by a Manhattan grand jury and is and was scheduled to be arraigned on Tuesday afternoon. And basically, an arraignment is when... um. A court proceeding and where, like, the defendant, which is Trump in this case, like, reads the charges in his indictment and is asked to enter a plea. And it often occurs, like, after the defendant is arrested and formal charges are levied. But this has actually um, happened already. And if you're wondering, like, what does that mean? Like, was he arrested? Well, it was kind of weird in his case what happened was, like, so what he did was he entered a Manhattan courtroom for his arraignment. And he was not handcuffed when he entered the room and he didn't speak when he exited. But essentially what, like, people can do is if they're notified of an indictment or an impending arrest, they can, like, turn themselves 
themselves in beforehand um and then doing by doing that they can like smooth the process and sort of show the court that they aren't evading the case and also like they don't necessarily have to get like handcuffed or like be like you know like that whole like movie type like you're under arrest type thing but mm-hmm. essentially when he entered that manhattan courthouse for his arraignment he technically was under arrest quote unquote but it's just like a little different because of his status in the situation but mm-hmm. yeah it, it's kind of an interesting thing um so he did turn himself in i guess but it is really interesting to see what happens um i believe his next like date to find like formal charges uh to like levy the formal charges and like what's actually going to happen is sometime maybe next month i don't mm-hmm. know i didn't write it down but yeah it's it's really interesting um, yeah to see i actually watched the video where he For like sure. walked into the courthouse and it was strange because he still has secret service on him like as for security mm-hmm. And yeah, it was just interesting. It's I think it's definitely interesting to see like what part that's going to play in the upcoming election, because he said that, like, regardless of anything with all these investigations and like charges, I'm still going to run. So I think it's going to be really interesting plays out in terms of like the election. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Sweet. All right. Are we ready for the next one? We are. <laughs> All right, so my next update is about some woman in Iran being arrested for not wearing hijabs. Um, so we've covered a lot about, like, Iran in the past, especially their, like, really strict laws around hijabs. And one of the biggest, like, incidents was, like, the Masa Amini incident, which was... um basically where she was a young woman in Iran and she actually ended up like being beaten and like taken into custody and ended up dying for not wearing a hijab correctly in public. Um, so there's just been like a lot of like, it's just shed a lot of light on like the kind of life of like women in Iran and some of the like really restrictive like measures placed upon them. So basically a video of like an incident um, was shown where a man, like, was approaching one of the women not wearing a hijab, and he, like, spoke to her, and then he grabbed a tub of yogurt from the store and, like, threw it at her, and, um, there were two women, um, who were not wearing hijabs, and they were later arrested for not wearing their hijabs in public, and just as some background, a hijab is like a head covering. Um, it's typically worn by a Muslim woman. And there are different like interpretations of like what the most important reason is for them like wearing it. But one of the biggest ones is just like expressing modesty and faith. Mm-hmm. And in Iran, there's like a federal mandate, um, which basically forces women to wear hijabs um, in public. Otherwise, they'll be like arrested or in like the case of Masa Amini, as we saw, it could end up being even worse than that. Um, and there's this group called like the morality police and they essentially like enforce the law and punish people who like don't abide by it. Um, and there have been like a ton of protests over like the law enforcement and, um, people are just really upset over like how restrictive the measures are. And, um, a lot of girls in Iran are like protesting by like burning their headscarves or just like going public on social media and just like kind of displaying these like messages about it. But in terms of, like, the incident with the two women, um, basically, there were arrest warrants out 
for them but then there are also arrest warrants out for like the man who was pouring yoga over the heads of them which is at least good because at least he's facing some sort of like punishment for what he did too but it's just really sad to think that um just for something like get arrested it's so like different than what it's like in america yeah it's it's so it's like really sad to see because like in the u.s if you wear a hijab that's fine if you don't wear a hijab mm-hmm. that's fine because like freedom of religion but like right. for that to be like a standard over there that you have to wear it regardless of whether you're muslim or not regardless of whether you believe that you have to wear a hijab mm-hmm. even if you're muslim it's really sad also i saw a video um the other day where there were like girls dancing in front of like a camera for like a Mm -hmm. tiktok dance in iran and it was Mm -hmm. like they were just doing like a normal dance and Uh they literally got like kidnapped or something and they were forced to make an apology in the same place that they uh did the dance because like dancing in public is not allowed either so i didn't hear about that that's insane i know it's so it's so weird and uh... it's just so like different to think about just how strict their laws are and how like just suppressive it is to like live like that it's just it's terrible yeah Yeah, it is i yeah but it's like they conceal it so well that people don't even know about it yeah yeah Mm -hmm. right wow all right are you ready for the next one yeah Mm -hmm. okay so our next update is about the dalai lama this one oh this one is really weird I don't know. Okay, let's just get into it. So, the Dalai Lama is, like, practically, like, the biggest person, like, the highest up in the Buddhist religion. So, Mm -hmm. he is essentially, like, if you want a comparison, like, the Pope is the head of, like, the Catholic Church. The Dalai Lama is the same thing, but for Buddhists. And um, he is just, like, you know, kind of their symbol of, like, holiness and stuff like that. Um, And he was hosting, like, a little interaction-type get-together thingy with um 100 young students from an Indian M3M foundation who just, like, graduated from that foundation. Mm-hmm. And they, it was kind of like a celebration almost. Um, right. Yeah, and he was, he was attending there and, like, speaking at that event. Um, and then at that event, there was a boy uh, who essentially, like, came up to him and was like, oh, can I, like, hug you? And he told him to, like, come up to the platform where he was seated. And then mm-hmm. he motioned to his cheek saying, like, first here. And then, like, so that he kissed him on the cheek and then gave him a hug, mm-hmm. which is, like, kind of a normal interaction. Right. But then afterwards, he kept holding the boy saying, saying I think here also, and then, like, kissed him on the lips oh wow and then after that it gets worse trust after that he says and suck on my tongue and then he he stuck out his tongue with his forehead to the student and the boy like was really visibly kind of like hesitant yeah understandable yeah and he like kept on being like suck on my tongue and like sticking out his tongue um yeah um yeah and then he hugged him again it was very strange yeah i i can see why the reason Um, this is kind of a big deal is because 
it it was spread all across the internet it it went really viral and a lot of people were calling it inappropriate and disgusting and the controversy even like prompted an apology from the office of the dalai lama who said that his behavior was like innocent and playful um they actually made a statement saying that his holiness wishes to apologize to the boy and his family as well as many friends across the world for the hurt his words may have caused his holiness often teases people he meets in an innocent and playful way, even in public and before cameras. He regrets the incident. Um, he's faced like a couple of previous controversies, mm-hmm. um, like a couple of things. One of them was like he suggests that if the Dalai Lama returned as a woman, she should be more than attractive, which was like, I don't even know oh. what that means, but it was weird. Yeah, so he's definitely in controversy, but I think the right. thing that people are, like, sort of starting to, like, realize a pattern of is that, like, people in power religiously often, like, are able to manipulate younger mm-hmm. counterparts. Oh, and yeah, for sure. Often, like, use them to your disadvantages. And obviously, no hate to the Buddhist religion. Like, this has nothing to do with that. It's mm-hmm. just, like, sometimes when people have that position of power religiously and they have, like, little kids looking up to them, oh, yeah. they tend to, like, manipulate it. Not all the time, but a lot of the time that is something that we see. Like, there was mm-hmm. an update, like, a couple weeks ago where they found that, like, in the French Catholic Church, they, like, molested, like, thousands of boys. So, wow. like, it's just it's just a really big issue. And mm-hmm. nothing, again, nothing wrong with those religions, but it's something that, like, we need to take a hold of and like yeah. make sure we recognize that power dynamic between uh-huh. like religious leaders and younger people. Yeah, it's definitely like an abuse of power because when you're in that situation, you do have a lot of like power and authority, especially over younger kids. So it's just sad that they would like utilize it in that way. Yeah, I definitely agree. But wow. I mean, if anyone makes you uncomfortable, even if they are like someone bigger than you, if if they're a religious leader or other leader that you look up to, don't be afraid to say no or like make it make yourself mm-hmm. known that like that person made you uncomfortable because that isn't supposed to right. happen from a leader. So. Oh yeah, absolutely agreed. Yeah. All wow. Right. Okay, are we ready for the next update? Yep. Okay, so this one's actually super sad, um, but it's actually April 15th, which was um, Saturday, the day before we're filming, was the 10th anniversary of the deadly Boston Marathon bombing. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, the victims like were honored by their families, like walking to the memorial sites and laying down wreaths. And there are a lot of just like, um, what's the word? Just like honoring ceremonies I guess of like just the victims and like what took place that day um and in terms of like the actual marathon bombing I'm going to go into like the details and kind of like what happened um so basically it was a terrorist attack that took place on April 15th of 2013 and um two bombs went off at the finish line of the Boston Marathon and three people ended up dying and 260 other people were injured so um it was a pretty crazy incident And so the Boston Marathon is, like, a really popular event, and it's held on Patriot's Day. And Patriot's Day is basically, like, in a a day to, like, mark a really important battle that, like, kick-started the Revolutionary War. Mm -hmm. And um, in most states, I don't think it's a legal holiday, but in Massachusetts, they recognize it as a legal holiday. Um, So they have, like, you know, celebrations on that day. So Um, at around 2.49 in the afternoon, two pressure cooker bombs that were, like, packed with shrapnel and hidden in backpacks exploded within seconds of each other like near the finish line for the marathon 
and three spectators died, including a 23-year-old woman, a 29-year-old woman, and an 8-year-old boy. Um, and actually, 16 people lost their legs from the incident, and the youngest, like, person who had to get their leg amputated was a 7-year-old girl. So it's just, like, really sad oh to think about, God. yeah, how it just affected so many people um, in terms of, like, the injuries as well. Um, but there was, like, immediately an investigation launched, like, after the incident took place. And there was, like, a breakthrough less than two days later um, because, like, FBI analysts were, like, looking through, like, footage and pictures and all this stuff. And they were able to identify two male suspects at the scene. Um, and there was this, like, armed carjacking of a sports vehicle. And the police thought that it was, like, related to the suspects of the bombing. So they were kind of, like, pursuing that. And... After they pursued the stolen vehicle, um, th- like, this huge, like, firefight, like, ensued. And during, like, the kind of, like, fight, uh, 26-year-old Tamerlan um, Sarnave, who was identified as one of the two suspects in the bombing, was really wounded by explosives and multiple gunshots. And he was apprehended by the police, but then he was actually further injured by the second suspect, which is his younger brother, Jahar um, <laughs> Sarnave, who struck him with a car as he fled the scene. So, yeah, it's just a really weird scenario. But so Tamerlan was taken to a hospital and he was pronounced dead in the early morning. But police were finally able to find the other suspect, um, the brother who, like, hit his brother with a car. Mm-hmm. And um, so police arrived to the scene and found him and he was taken into custody. And then on April uh, 22nd, Federal prosecutors charged him with having used a weapon of mass destruction in the marathon attacks. And then there was this, like, two-week trial. And then he was found guilty on 30 counts in connection with the bombing. Um, and then 17 of those charges carried the possibility of death penalty. Um, so he was going to get death penalty. But then this, like, appellate court uh, vacated the death sentence. But, like, in the end, he actually um, ended up getting the death penalty reimposed. Oh, wow. And, yeah. <laughs> so it was the whole process. That's a roller coaster. Um, what? That's a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there was not necessarily, like, super concrete links between, like, the two brothers and any larger, like, terrorist groups or plots. But um, one of the brother- brothers revealed to investigators that he and his brother had obtained the plans for the bombs from Inspire, which is like this online newsletter published by Al-Qaeda in the Arabian oh. Peninsula. And Al-Qaeda, Al-Qaeda is this like really big terrorist group that was responsible for like 9-11. Um, and the analysts um, who were kind of like looking at the scenario concluded that they were like self-radicalized. So it's kind of like based on their personal like militant ideologies and stuff but yeah it was just a really terrible incident and it's important to just remember like the effect it had on everyone involved um and everyone who had some connection to people involved too so it's just it's really terrible yeah yeah that was that is awful i i have heard about the marathon bombing but i like never really knew the details so that Mm -hmm. is yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's yeah. Sad. But um, that ending on that sad note, I believe that mm-hmm. wraps up our first half of updates. Yeah. Um, stay tuned for more. We have a lot of good ones this week. So, yeah. mm-hmm. all right, bye. I'm back from the break. Hello. All right. Um, 
I can I start us off? Yes, go ahead. All right. So my next update is also a really sad update. Um, unfortunately, most of our news is really sad. Mm-hmm. But this one is about a Louisville shooting in Kentucky, where oh. five people were found dead. So, as we know, there have been an ex- like a disgusting amount of shootings. We've only oh, been yeah. like what? It's like ninety days into the year, or and like there have been. More. I think it was one hundred and sixty-two mass shootings. Yeah, and then like one of or, the other ones yeah. was like there's been like whatever how many days in the year and then there's been like more than that just on school mm-hmm. shootings alone right it was like i forget the number of school shootings but it was like insane yeah it was like at the time that we saw that stat it was like 89 school shootings and oh, it was like right, the 88th right. the day of the year or something mm-hmm. but yeah that's like it's it's just it's so sad to see like it's n- literally this doesn't happen anywhere else besides the mm-hmm. U.S. And it's like it's sad to see that like people like me, like kids across the country, have to like fear going to school or like anytime they hear that they have like a lockdown, they're mm-hmm. like, oh my god, there's a school shooter. Like it's that shouldn't yeah. be how it is. I saw a video. This is kind of unrelated, but I saw a video the other day where this lady was like in france or something and they were like at a party like a big gathering like a festival type thing and mm-hmm. someone set off a confetti cannon and she was from america and she was the only person that like flinched and like ducked to the ground because she thought it was oh. a gun and everyone oh. else was like natives to like france or something and they were all fine but she heard that confetti cannon pop and she thought it was a gun right because when, like, yeah. yeah it definitely reflects on just like how it's so common these days in our country that we have to, like, fear that constantly. Yeah, and it should not be that way. Like, we should not be having yeah, no. more, sco- more shootings and more school shootings than days in the year, but unfortunately, mm-hmm. that's how it is. Um, but moving on to, like, this update, a, 24, a 25-year-old man was reportedly shot and killed five colleagues with a rifle on Monday at a downtown bank where he worked in Louisville, Kentucky. So basically what happened was um, the suspect was Jacqueline. Oh, wait, no, no, sorry. That's not the suspect. Scratch that. <laughs> suspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's start over. I'm like losing my mind. Anyways. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, five of he killed five of his colleagues. The suspect who literally live streamed the rampage was oh killed. Oh my gosh! Yeah, he he literally he like live streamed it. I've um, heard of them doing that before, and it's just insane to me. Like, yeah, I think the last time that happened was like at the grocery store on that the one we did, right? The oh yeah, I believe yeah. so. Yeah, there was like a shooter in a grocery store, and he live streamed it, but. I think mm-hmm. that's like a common theme, which is honestly so disgusting. Like, the whole thing is disgusting. But the fact that they, like, planned it out and then live-streamed it is just, like, how does that even... Oh, it's my just gosh. disgusting. But the yeah. suspect... Yeah, the suspect was 23-year-old Connor Sturgeon. And he was found dead at the scene after the police, like, killed him while they were, like, shooting at him to, you know, get him to stop. Um, the victims were employees of the old National Bank in Louisville, and they were known as Joshua Barrick, Thomas Elliott, Julia Farmer, James Tut, and the fifth victim who died there um, later on that night was Deanna Eckert, um, and 
there was a lot of people who were critically wounded, I believe. Eight others were wounded in the attack, and two of them were critically wounded in the attack. Um, and they are, you know, still trying to, like, recover. Um, one of the people who was am among the wounded was Nicholas Wilt, who had graduated from the police academy on March 31st, so he was just, like newly about to be a policeman and now he's critically wounded and he doesn't know if he can go back to that career so it's Oh, that's devastating terrible. yeah um the interim chief of the louisville metropolitan department um identified the shooter connor sturgeon and he said that he was a syndications associate and portfolio banker at the bank where he shot at so he had worked there full-time for two years um, and then after interning there previous summers so he was like had very like obvious connections with the bank he interned there he worked there full-time and he ended up shooting his employees and our colleagues and the police did not specify like why exactly he did that like there was no speci specific motive but it was pretty obvious that he had connections to that bank and you know maybe he wasn't a fan of his colleagues or maybe he just thought that was a good place for him to be able to execute his plans because he knew Mm it so well either way it's just disgusting and -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, very that's, sad it's horrible. Yeah. And I have another update about a shooting too, but I think I'm going to save that for last just so we don't have like two in a row, you know, cause that's yeah a lot. yeah Um, oh, yeah that's terrible. Are you ready for the next update? yeah go ahead Okay. All right. So my next update is about um, the conflict in Sudan. And um, actually, recently, 56 citizens have died over the conflict. And it's really just not a good situation what's happening. So as just some background, so there was like a coup in October of 2021, which is basically like a government overthrow where a new group takes control. And ever since then, Sudan has been run by a council of like generals. So it's kind of like a military rule. And there like are two kind of major factions of Sudan's military regime that institute the conflict because of like the divide between the two factions. So the Sudanese armed forces are really loyal to like General Abdel Fattah al-Burnin who is um technically like the country's ruler slash president but he's like a de facto ruler which basically means that he's not like actually the ruler but in practice he kind of is it's hard to explain um Yeah. but he's not like the official ruler but that's kind of his role so but then there's also this collection of like militia called the rapid support forces or the rsf for short and they support like mohammed hamdan dagalo who's better known as hamedi and he's like this former warlord um so the both like military factions have disagreed a l
and 25 people, including 17 civilians, died in that city alone. Um, and the clashes erupted after tensions over like the proposed transition to civilian rule. So um, there's just a ton of tension in the government right now. Um, and both the army and its opponents, the RSF, claim they had control of the airport and other key sites in Khartoum. Um, so there was fighting over a lot of those areas to like try to gain a foothold in those areas or try to gain control of them um and it's like a lot of just citizens and like military personnel have died um and actually in total 595 people have been injured as well which is really crazy and I think it's just really sad that a lot of the civilians have to be involved in this because like even though they're not the ones like instituting the fighting or even necessarily being involved in it there it's hard to like escape that when you live in a country where a situation like this is taking place and I feel like it's really common for a lot of areas with like really large like humanitarian crises or just like internal conflicts or civil wars just that citizens are just like caught in kind of like the crossfires a lot they're caught in like the conflict even though they're not like involved in it um and it's just really terrible to see that like they're living without much stability at the time and it's just a really tough time yeah i definitely agree i remember like in human geo we Mm -hmm. learn a lot about like a lot of the different civil issues happening in Africa mm-hmm. and it's like a lot more than you'd think because I didn't oh, know yeah. any of it and mm-hmm. it's crazy the amount oh, of yeah. like disputes mm-hmm. that they have between tribes and just different groups and right just governmentally so yeah and there are also like other issues in Sudan as well but this is kind of like one of the like government issues that's most prevalent like right now in this incident that I'm talking about but yeah there are also other issues in Sudan as well and um just other countries in the area so it's just really terrible yeah yeah no that's awful um for my last update this one is less sad but also pretty Mm -hmm. bad (laughs) okay yeah it's um so I remember if you if you remember a couple weeks ago I talked about a train derailment in um mm-hmm. ohio, ohio minnesota yeah there was like a couple mm-hmm. different ones but then another one happened in maine so a freight oh. train was carrying hazardous materials and they derailed and caught fire saturday morning near rockwood in maine um they said that like none of the hazardous materials caught fire but the plane like crash actually did cause a fire um in a rural wooded area about 15 miles down the track of Jackman. Um, they said that the fire, the forest fire was contained and that they, that three rail employees were like taken to hospital, but they didn't have life-threatening injuries. Um, but it's just, mm-hmm. I mean, I think the issue with this is that, you know, a lot of the government officials saying that there's no threat to public safety because, like, the hazardous materials didn't get on fire and all this stuff. But it's it's just, I mean, no one's really convinced at this point because as we see yeah. like, with the Ohio derailment, like, it's had really devastating effects already mm-hmm. on, like, the people oh, yeah. and their, like, breathing situation as well as their animals and um, the mm. rivers and stuff like that. And, you know, obviously we won't know the effects of, like, things that happened in Ohio until, like, decades later even. But right. it's just, 
it's kind of like a pattern we're seeing that there's a lot of issues within the rail industry. Um, in fact, mm-hmm. like federal regulators and members of Congress are urging railroads to do more to prevent derailments after there's been a lot of like recent derailments in with hazardous chemicals, which is like the worst part because that can be dangerous to like public health and safety, mm, especially for people absolutely. who can't afford to evacuate or move. So, mm-hmm. absolutely, just, yeah. I mean, it affects a lot. Like, it can affect the water supply, the air quality. Like, there's so many things that go into it. Um, and just, like, having to breathe that air, or, like, drink that water or just live around that can be potentially, like, really dangerous. And we're not, like, as Ahana said, like, we're not sure completely of the effects. So it could be really scary just to be in that situation and not know, like, what you're breathing in and, like, what the effects of that are going to be. Yeah, definitely. But it's just good, I think, to, like, bring awareness to the people, because yeah. I don't think a lot of people know about that. But it's actually an important thing, because it's been happening a lot in a lot of different states. Oh, yeah. So, just being yeah. aware. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Are we ready for the last update? Yeah. So, unfortunately, this one is another shooting, um, and it's a mass shooting that took place in Alabama, and it was pretty recent, so there's not a lot released on, like, the motives or, like, more about the suspect, but... I just what I've learned is just kind of like what took place like at the incident so basically it took place in a town in Dadeville Alabama people were left dead um on the night of Saturday April 15th and the attack took place at the Mahogany Masterpiece Masterpiece Dance Studio just after 10 30 p.m um and people were gathering there for a sweet 16 celebration and Annette Allen said that it was her granddaughter's 16th birthday party where the attack occurred. And Allen's grandson, um, who's like a high school athlete, was killed by the gunfire while her daughter was also wounded and sent to an area hospital. Um, and at least 17 ambulances had to respond to the scene. And some of the victims were treated and like released um, while several victims were transferred to other hospitals. And unfortunately, Four people ended up um, having fatal wounds and um, the mayor responded by saying, quote, this morning, I grieve with the people of Dadeville and my fellow Alabamians. Um, And that was Alabama Governor Kay Ivey, Ivey, sorry. Yeah. Um, But it's just really sad to think about. And we're not sure yet about like kind of like the motives behind that, whether it was like a targeted thing because it was like a birthday party. Um, But it's just really sad to see that like events like birthday parties parties can turn into something like a shooting and it's just insane yeah that is that's i didn't even so that happened yesterday night from when Mm -hmm. i'm filming this like it's crazy to think that we're doing updates about how many shootings there are and then there's just one happening while we're doing updates yeah exactly i swear every single week there's at least two updates about a shooting like more than that most of the time yeah and even if we don't report on it there's like probably dozens of other ones that we'd like yeah because at this point like i feel like media only popularizes like the biggest ones because they're so common it's hard to popularize every single one when they're happening so frequently so we only a lot of the times hear about like the biggest most mass shootings but there's so many smaller ones that are taking place as well um that are just like really tragic that are happening in different communities and it's, yeah, yeah it's terrible yeah, actually, like, in our community, too, there was, like, someone who got arrested for planning out a school shooting at local schools. Like, yeah. Like, there's just so many 
like it's ridiculous to think that like if if yeah. our law enforcement hadn't caught that person early on our school could have been shot up or my friend's school could have been shot up like it's like we don't really realize mm-hmm. the weight of that but that could have happened and it's just yeah it's devastating it's scary but like it's hard to like even know what to do because we're not like law enforcement we don't know how to stop the gun violence but it's it's just right it's right super disgusting it's it's horrible oh my gosh wow I know, like, I didn't, it's just, like, it's hard to wrap your mind around when you hear mm-hmm. it so much, you're, like, desensitized to it, but when you Absolutely. think about it at its yeah. core, it's, like, how does this, how is this something that, like, is even something we have to deal with? Right, I'm, like, in disbelief, and I can't even, like, process, like, just, like, the weight of it, because it's, it's a huge deal, but it's almost, like, I'm just, like, numb to it, because it happens so often that I'm, like, it's just become, like, ingrained in our society at this point, it feels like. Yeah, and that shouldn't be the case, and we need to, like, oh, yeah, no. change that. So, hopefully, you know, from today, you're able to think about that and, like, sort of realize the weight of what's that's what mm-hmm. that is, I guess. It's definitely important to just spread the word, and for everyone to just be aware of just how frequent and how, like, deadly these shootings are, Um, just because I think when, like, larger groups can advocate, that's going to have, like, a larger impact. Yeah. I definitely agree. Um, but that being said, do you have any good news to end it off? Um, so my good news is that we had the PSAT and I finished it and I'm just glad it's over. <laughs> oh, true. My good news is that there's only like a month of school left for us, pretty much. Oh my like, gosh, yeah. That's weird to think about. <laughs> I know. Like, I feel like I don't even know what to do. <laughs> I know, I feel like summer, I'm always like, yay, summer, but then it's summer, and I'm like, what do I do? I know, this summer, I'm like, oh, my goal for the summer is, like, actually, like, go outside a lot, because I feel Mm -hmm. like if I don't, I just get sad, because it's boring. Yeah, I want to, like, go outside, and, like, I want to, like, read new books, because I feel like I always like reading during the summer, that's, like, my favorite, like, summer yeah, I know that's so true. My good thing is that I started reading a book that I stopped reading this week. Oh, what was it? Which book was it? It was the Good Girls Guide to Murder book too. Oh, I actually love that series. I finished I it like a month ago or something, but no, I binge read the first book so fast, and then I started reading the second book, and I just stopped for some reason. But I started mm-hmm. again. So that's, that's great. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, that being said, we hope you enjoyed the episode and learned something. Um, share any thoughts with us at our email and our mm-hmm. social media is all in the bio. So check that out and stay tuned. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye. Is what obsessive compulsive disorder was perceived as by our peers when we interviewed them around our school. But for me, as someone diagnosed with OCD as a child, OCD was much worse. When I was younger, I would tap objects a certain amount of times, stray away from wearing certain clothes I felt would bring me bad luck, and constantly wash my hands, all of which were preventative measures for my fears. For me, OCD was a shadow that followed me everywhere I went. I had to perform nighttime rituals, touch objects a certain amount of times, count to numbers in my head over and over until it felt right, and repeat words I would read under the pretense that if I didn't feed into my urges, consequences would punish me. I'm Ahana. And I'm Celine. And this is our struggles behind OCD and mental health.
This is obsessive.